0: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
1: My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22.
2: It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: For years, when someone thought of the holidays, they likely thought of Macy's.
4: From ushering in Christmas with Santa in the holiday parades, to giant trees, to department store windows, and even a miracle of a movie.
3: This company has made Christmas and the holiday season its business.
4: But it hasn't been all eggnog and mistletoe for this festive department store. As in 1992, they found themselves on the naughty list and in financial trouble.
3: Let's grab a cup of good cheer and find out how this company fought its way back through the Blizzard of bankruptcy and a changing marketplace like a Rudolph-led sleigh. This is Macy's on the brink. Ariel, you really outdid yourself writing that intro this time. I could
4: tell you loved it, Jonathan.
3: I got got a little (laughs) heavy-handed with the Rudolph. But today we're going to talk about Macy's, and uh, really, it's funny, we were looking over this, Ariel, while you were doing your research, you Mm -hmm. saw that Macy's actually has a lot of different moments in its history that we could define as a potential brink. Yes. Uh, We are specifically looking at a time that started kind of in the mid-80s and went into the early to mid-90s that was the real brink that we're focusing on. Yes, but. We're going to give a bit of an overview of some other stuff with Macy's, too, just because... You know, it's good to have a basic understanding of the subject before you get into like, and here's where it all went wrong. Yeah,
4: and I mean, specifically for this story, it's actually the story of a bunch of department store conglomerates who are all kind of vying to buy the most stores to bring into their giant blob of department stores. Yeah,
3: it's almost a I'm going to buy you before you buy me kind of story.
4: Yes, and it's so interwoven that if you go to the Macy's website and you look at their history— which of course I did, half of their history talks about like the Federated Department Stores or May Department Stores Company, which are the other two major, major players in this game. We're trying to focus mainly on Macy's history, but they, they are a part of it.
3: Yeah, so before any of them became a part of Macy's history, the company itself can trace its origins back to a fairly modest beginning. Mm-hmm. All the way back... In the 19th century, the 1800s, that's when you had the founder, R.H. Macy. Yes. And uh, Macy's, what would become Macy's, was not the first company or business they tried to open. He had tried to open a series of dry goods retail establishments.
4: Yes, and I think also possibly like a sewing store or something like that.
3: Yeah, but... um They didn't work so good. Mm -mm. A lot of his uh, businesses went belly up, much like the whales he used to hunt
4: because he was a whaler. And he was also part of the gold rush.
3: So he was a prospector and a A whaler. whaler. And then he starts opening up dry goods stores in New York. So really, we're looking at New York City, 1858, Mm -hmm. and the event that would lead into the opening of the first Macy's. So this was a little bitty dry goods store.
4: And it actually started in Haverhill.
3: In 1851.
4: And then it went, okay, but not great. Yeah. It was was the one that went okay instead of bad. So then he said, I'm going to go to New York City and I'm going to open this big fancy department dry goods store. Yeah.
3: It's New York City where folks know what dry goods stores are supposed to be like. He opened up RH Macy and Company. And uh, uh, just looking over the history, one of the history points that I thought was funny is that on the very first day of sales, the company made a whopping Mm $11.06. So that was just the first day. However, the first Mm -hmm. year was a different story. Uh, Things went pretty well.
4: Yeah, they made $85,000. They spent 2,800 of that on marketing, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they expanded their store into 11 adjacent buildings and also expanded out from dry goods, and they became one of the first department stores.
3: Yeah, so this is a a special time in American history, that, that transition from the local dry goods store into the larger department store, which was kind of the evolution of that type of retail. Yes. And uh, Macy's would end up being a pioneer in many ways beyond this large expansion into 11 buildings.
4: Yeah, he instituted a lot of firsts into his company that other companies use nowadays. So he was the first to institute one price prior to this time. Most stores you'd go in and you'd haggle. And he put the prices, those single prices, in newspaper ads so that people could say, oh, This is how much money I need to save to go buy this item that I want to buy. They also, for a long time, only did cash buying and purchasing both on a store level and on a customer
3: level. Ah, so they wouldn't do credit, at least at first.
4: Yes, not for many, many years. Uh, They gave money back guarantees. And another big, big first, he was the first to uh, promote a woman to executive level, so Margaret Getchell became the store superintendent for Macy's.
3: And a little bit more about Getchell. She's very, very important in mm-hmm. the history of Macy's for multiple reasons. Uh, first of all, she gets a lot of credit for helping the store succeed. She was there to originally be a cashier and do some bookkeeping, mm-hmm. but she was also a very savvy businesswoman and she helped make decisions, including marketing decisions, that guided the store to those early successes. And so a lot of different sources talk about Getchel being an instrumental figure in the early days of Macy's. She was also distantly related to Macy; She was essentially a cousin to him. And also she had lost an eye. So she was a one-eyed woman. Yeah, she had been a teacher, but she apparently agreed to go and work for Macy because she figured it would put less strain on her one remaining eye. That makes sense. And she also is the one who convinced Macy to adopt the logo for the store, which is a star logo. And where did the star logo come from, Ariel? Christmas time. No, it did not. You know where it came from.
4: I know. Uh, It's actually a tattoo he had on his arm back from when he was a whaler. It was like the star that guided him home.
3: Yeah, so it's I I just like the thought that one of the famous logos from uh, retail history has its history itself tied into a tattoo.
4: Well, since you stomped on my holiday cheer just a second ago, even though it was wrong, um, I'm going to bring it back. Some other firsts that Macy's had, they were the first to feature Santa Claus, uh, a Santa Claus statue in 1862 and... They were the first to have the big old fancy window displays in 1864. And they were the first retailer to get a liquor license in New York City after the Prohibition.
3: They were also the first one to get a liquor license in New York City at all from retailers. So if you look at the uh, retail store liquor licenses, Macy's is number one. Mm -hmm. They number their liquor license. Macy's was the first retailer to get a liquor license in the city of New York. Yes, They used to sell wine and liquor. Well, Talk a little bit about that in just a second. But then uh, they also set some firsts that I'm sure thrilled customers. And filled employees with dread.
4: Yes. In 1867, they became the first store to stay open till midnight on Christmas Eve.
3: So when you realize, oh, no, I forgot to buy a gift for the wife, you could go to Macy's.
4: So if you're driving to Macy's on Christmas Eve at midnight right now, we're with you. Yeah. In
3: 1870, they hit a million dollars in sales. That's, that's a good annual sales figure for 1870. Yes, it is.
4: And in 1877, R.H. Macy passed away. Mm-hmm. He handed the store over to Abel T. LaForge and Robert M. Valentine, who were partners and also extended family, and they took over. Macy's did have a son, but he didn't have any interest in and taking continue. over the business.
3: Yeah. So LaForge was Margaret uh, Gretchel's husband. He had started as a buyer for Macy's, and she married him. So he was, in that sense, a part of the extended family. He would pass away in 1878, just a year after Macy yes. did. Uh, he had tuberculosis. Gretchel would follow in 1880 out of, uh, from heart congestion mm-hmm. mainly. But Valentine would oversee the store at least until 1895, and that's when a different family would step in.
4: Yes, the Strauss brothers, Isidore and Nathan, and their dad. Uh, They had been leasing the basement of Macy's already. Mm -hmm. They had been bringing a lot of success to the store themselves. And they were also the ones who created the China department for Macy's.
3: Yeah, so they already had a stake in the store at this point.
4: Now, they did a first. They started the odd price policy, quote unquote.
3: Yeah, you walk in, hey, that doorknob's $47,000.
4: That's strange. (laughs) No, it means that instead of having a $4 item, you're going to have a $3.99 item. So that if you buy multiple items, like if you say you buy five towels for three ninety nine, now you save five cents.
3: Yeah, this is a, one of those things that that is a psychological tool, and it's funny because we now see it all the time, right? This is you see ninety nine or ninety five, mm-hmm. and it plays. That little bit of a psychological trick on us as well, because you sit there and think, oh, that's less than the next number up. And you feel like you're saving at that moment.
4: Now, to me, it seems like that would make a bigger difference back then because a penny went a lot further.
3: Yeah. They then moved the store in 1902. It had outgrown its 11-building large area. And they moved to uh, 34th and Broadway Right and then yes. Uh,
4: Sorry, I was just taken aback by how you said that. Well, it was beautiful. I
3: was having a producer's moment, <laughs> and uh, that was a that was a big building, nine story building, mm-hmm. so very tall building. It's not as tall as what Macy's would later inhabit, no. but yes, no. And uh, according to your research, if you were to go to that building, you would see some of the original work. Still there, yes. like some of the original yes. fittings. They still have some
4: of the wooden escalators that were from the original. Uh, in 1918, they made $36 million in annual sales. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money back then. It That's is. That's a lot of money today. right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I would
3: not turn my nose <laughs> no, up at $36 million. Uh, And then in
4: 1922, they went public Yep.
3: and they started acquiring regional stores. So this is where we start seeing them branch out from yes. being a New York based department store and they start creating what would eventually become a chain of stores. Yes. 1924, we see the start of what would become an annual tradition, one of the big ones, although it was on a different date in 1924. That would be?
4: The Macy's Christmas Parade, now known as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Mm -hmm. Now, I used to watch the local one in Atlanta. Yeah. And also the one on TV. 10,000 people attended the first one, and they had— all of these, like, animals uh-huh. and fun things. It was it was very different then. It was
3: more like a—almost like a traveling circus type yeah. thing.
4: And the parade was actually organized by the employees. It was brought to life by the employees of Macy's, who right. wanted to celebrate their American heritage.
3: Now it's a much, much, much larger production yeah. that involves people from all over the world, not just the United States. It
4: also gets people hyped for the beginning of the shopping season. Yes. So yeah, it's that's kind the of, biggest purpose.
3: Exactly. Kind of like— All right, now everyone come inside and buy your stocking stuffers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then in 1931, we would get some legislation that would affect Macy's, the Federal Fair Trade Law.
4: Which meant that there had to be specific minimum prices in retail for certain suppliers, and this was to help stabilize the economy during the Depression. So... Certain retailers and certain suppliers had to keep a minimum price, like they couldn't go below a minimum price uh, so you for could, their products. So you couldn't
3: suddenly have like a price war going below a yes. certain amount because the federal law mandated that they be at least this much.
4: Yes. So Macy's couldn't be undersold. And they were such a large company that they could, much like Walmart or Target, keep that bottom price.
3: Mm-hmm. So then you have this wonderful little note here about Fred Lazarus Jr. in 1939. Uh, He was the owner of Federated Department Stores. We talked about that a couple times, the holding company that owned other department stores. He is the person who chatted with Roosevelt, the president, Mm -hmm. about, you know, making just a little minor change in the calendar because up to that point, Thanksgiving was always the last Thursday of November. Yes. And they decided that maybe we could bump that up one week to be the second to last Thursday in November because that would give us more time between Thanksgiving and Christmas to to sell 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 things. Yeah,
4: But this change helped all the retailers.
3: Yeah. So
4: it wasn't just federated department stores saying, we want to get ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, they they couldn't say, like, can you make Thanksgiving a week early, but only for, for us. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 1945, Macy's purchased some stores in California, O'Connor, Moffitt & Company, to expand
3: westward. Yeah, and convert them over into Macy's department stores. And
4: in those stores in California, they did their first Macy's department store flower show.
3: Now, 1947, a movie comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm it features sure, I'm features sure more Macy's. than one movie came out. A specific movie came out in 1947 <laughs> that has to do with Macy's, and yes. you already alluded to it. Yes, yes, Virginia, talk about Miracle on 34th Street.
4: <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. It's about a Macy's department store Santa who's a little bit magical. Yeah. And in the movie, he tells some customers to go over to Gimbal's because Macy's is out of stock of an item, but Gimbal's might have it. And that created such goodwill for the company of Macy's that more people wanted to shop at Macy's because they were looking out for the customer first. And that's what happened in the movie. And in the movie, Gimbal and Macy become friends, even though Macy was dead by that time.
3: It was hard to be friends. I mean, maybe Uh, as a zombie, Macy. Yeah, but
4: but this whole, like, idea of friendship and this whole movie— helped both stores for many, many years Mm -hmm. with their holiday sales.
3: In the 1950s, Macy's would finally start issuing credit accounts, no longer taking cash only, although it would benefit you if you stuck with cash. Yeah, you'd be charged 6% less, yeah. yeah. And then 1952, they hit a little bit of a snag because that was when the federal fair trade law was overturned. Yes. So... Now it was fair game for undercutting prices. There wasn't
4: price fixing to keep Macy's safe mm-hmm. in the market. And so they had to, of course, compete with all these people who could have lower prices. And they posted their very first loss that year. Mm. Now they had a subsidiary, Bambergers, who instead of like trying to cut and buy cheaper things and, and lower prices, bought a bunch of top of line goods and made all these lavish displays and people really liked it as kind of a specialty store. So Macy's actually made a good bit of money from them.
3: Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. almost going the opposite direction there. Yes. But they also started looking at some of their departments that weren't being particularly mm-hmm. productive. They were kind of being seen as a drain on resources. So they started consolidating and getting rid of departments. Yes.
4: Okay. So in 1976, they got the cellar. It was literally the bargain basement of Macy's. So this is where people could go and buy
3: super discounted items or last run items, things like that. And then in 79, they axed their liquor and wine department Mm -hmm. that we talked about earlier. Uh, But this was apparently something that had been going on in New York City for a while. A lot of the retailers We're getting out of that. Uh, According to Macy's, it was because menswear needed more space. Maybe men were putting on more weight in 1979. Mm. Or more clothes. Or more clothes. Yeah, maybe they were cold. But uh, the scuttlebutt was that the department had actually been unprofitable for 20 years. And so they finally pulled the plug on it.
4: And then in the 1980s, and we're finally getting to the brink here, they started opening up specialty stores. In 1982, Macy's topped the industry in profit per square foot. And in 84, they hit over $4 billion.
3: But while $4 billion in 84 is a huge amount of money, they were right around the corner from hitting a really rough time. And we'll explain exactly what happened in just a moment.
5: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply
1: my name is Ariel I moved to the U.S. at 19 I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities everything I have I owe to the adult literacy center and getting my high school diploma at age 22
2: it was an honor helping you achieve your greatness now you're helping others achieve theirs it inspires me When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
3: All right. So, 84, Macy's has a banner-making year, right? They, Mm -hmm. They make $4 billion in sales. But then 1985 hits... And the economy starts to slow down. Mm -hmm. And as a result, people have less money to spend on shopping and fewer people are coming in and buying stuff at Macy's.
4: Which means Macy's sales slowed down. So now they're finding themselves with too much inventory and they had to keep dropping their prices.
3: In order to just move product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And they still did okay in 85, but it was a drop in their trend and it was causing a drop in their stocks. And this made executives at Macy's worried that federated department stores or made department store company was going to come in and try to take them over because now they might be showing as weak.
3: Yeah. So some of the executives are bailing out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stock price is starting to drop. This is one of the issues of being a publicly traded company, obviously, is that you have shareholders to answer to. So one solution to this problem is, well, what if we just buy up all the shares of stock and turn the company private again?
4: So Ed Finkelstein, the president of the flagship store, led a buyout with all the other executives or a lot of the other executives. They bought Macy's for $70 a share and Ed Finkelstein became the CEO.
3: Yeah, this was uh, largely to protect Macy's from Mm -hmm. being taken over by one of the competitors The 1980s was an era – we've talked about this I think a couple times on the brink. The 1980s was an era where the hostile takeover and the leveraged buyout – were both frequently used tools where companies would swoop in and take over another company without their consent. So instead of acquiring or merging with a company, you just go in and through a stock maneuver, you take over another company. And they were worried about that. And this
4: was the biggest takeover of a retailer at Mm -hmm. that time.
3: So... At that point, things, at least at first, looked like they might actually be on the up and up.
4: They almost made profit over the debt they incurred from the buyout.
3: Which is no small matter. I mean, we've seen acquisitions. In fact, we'll talk about a couple that ended up accruing so much debt that companies were never able to recover from.
4: Yeah. In fact, we'll talk about it now because in 1988, Macy's bought some of the federated stores. And an attempt to start taking them over because okay, we're doing good. Yeah, this was this was a good move. They bought Bullocks and Bullocks Woolshires, and it cost them a billion dollars, and it tipped the debt scales against them. And so you've got that, and you've got the recession, and the holiday sales are down.
2: Mm.
4: Profits are down fifty percent, which is really tough because Macy's makes like thirty percent of their annual revenue off of holiday sales. So now they're having to drop prices again, and they're getting overstocked again. Mm. So they're going back to that same problem that led all of the executives to buy Macy's, which led to this whole snowball. It's just, it's a circular issue.
3: Yeah, it was feeding on itself.
4: And then in 1991, they tried to buy back $300 million in bonds at half value to help alleviate some of their debt. Mm -hmm. And they announced that they're going to stop paying back their suppliers for the indefinite future.
3: Yeah, that's never a great sign. No.
4: And then they had more bad holiday sales.
3: So... This leads into January of 1992, when it is no longer avoidable Macy's files for bankruptcy Mm -hmm. protection under Chapter 11. Their creditors were in need of their money. They were not able to pay their suppliers. They were not doing well in sales. Uh, This was, you know, kind of that Hail Mary pass to try and stay solvent long enough to, to recover.
4: Yes, and in April of that year, Ed Finkelstein steps out as CEO And Myron E. Ullman and Mark S. Handler step in. They had a five-year plan to turn around and reorganize the company. Instead of a whole bunch of layoffs, some of their big ideas were to, like, cut the marketing budget and have less one-day sales and have better customer service and put in a computerized system so they don't have so much overstock and inventory. Mm -hmm. And then, happy holiday miracle, they have a better-than-expected holiday season.
3: Also in that same year, Federated department stores would emerge from bankruptcy. Campo had ceased to exist. So Federated had reemerged as a public company. Mm -hmm. That will become important again in just a moment.
4: Back on Macy's side in 93, they had closed 66 unprofitable stores in an effort to get rid of things that were losing them money and open things that would make them
3: money. Yeah, so they opened up new stores too, but these were in areas where they projected that they would be able to, to make a profit. Yes. Then in 1994, Federated Department Stores, two years mm-hmm. out of bankruptcy, comes up and acquires Macy's. The event that was feared back in the 80s has come to pass.
4: Yes. Well, I mean, they did kind of ask for it because shortly after Macy's had their buyout, they bought some of Federated. Yeah.
3: The tides have turned. Yes. So Federated comes in and they acquire Macy's. This makes Federated a true giant in Mm -hmm. the department store industry.
4: Yes. That gives them more than 400 department stores in 37 different states. And their acquiring of Macy's had to be approved by the U.S. Bankruptcy Court because this makes them such a large company.
3: Yeah, this was one of those moves where a company has to pass government approval in order to actually go forward with a plan because it's a possibility that the government would say, no, this constitutes a monopoly and therefore it's anti-competitive.
4: Yes. But, you know, Federated isn't trying to wipe out Macy's. Macy's has got a good name for itself. They're just trying to make it. One of us.
3: Well, and also Macy's was in danger of not being anything anymore.
4: Yeah. So they acquired it, and then they merged Macy's in their ANS and Jordan Eastern Divisions to create one giant division worth $4 billion. Wow. Yeah. And then they opened a logistics and operations division to help them distribute things better. So they're Mm -hmm. fixing some of the problems Macy's had and was struggling with.
3: Yeah. In 95, they would start to turn some of their stores into either a Macy's or a Bloomingdale's. So, but more so Macy's. Yeah, but this was this was largely taking existing department stores and then changing them over mm-hmm. to this other brand. Sometimes it would mean, you know, different labels of clothing, for example, might be carried instead of what had been, but yeah. it was really repurposing already existing department stores but giving them a new identity.
4: Yes, and then in 1996, they launched macy's.com and then they relaunched it in 1998. <laughs> And then it was there. Then Macy's.com was there and it existed and people could use it.
3: So now we're getting to the part where things are turning around. When we come back, we'll kind of follow up with how things developed from that point forward and have a couple of fun little tidbits along the way. Yes. But first, let's take a break to thank our sponsor.
4: All right, we're back, and we're going to get back to positive. In 2003, Federated Department Stores started co-branding their regional department stores as Macy's. So you'd have, like, Rich's Dash Macy's.
3: Yeah, it was actually kind of messy for a while.
4: And by 2005, they realized that they converted all the regional department stores to Macy's.
3: Yeah, removing some of that confusion. Yes. Also in 2003... A very important event happened, one that's incredibly important to the city of Atlanta, Georgia, where we are, one that's incredibly important to me as someone who has lived in Atlanta, Georgia.
4: I would say that I was forlorn that I missed this little holiday tidbit, except for the fact that I've never been to the place you're about to talk about. You
3: you can still experience it. But in Atlanta, there was this thing, (laughs) the pink pig. The pink pig. Associated with Christmas, by the way. It was on top of the rooftop at Rich's department store in downtown Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a, a monorail little ride that had a pig face at the front of it, a pink pig. And the whole thing was painted pink. And you could ride in this little monorail. And then after a while, that version of the ride would eventually get phased out. And it became more of a standard train on Mm -hmm. tracks. But it was still with a pig face in the front. Mm -hmm. And it was the pink pig. And it was at Rich's for years and years and years and years. But then the Rich's department store closed in the 90s. And uh, they decided to run the ride for a little bit at a different park. But eventually, they decided that was too expensive. And it kind of went away. But in 2003... Macy's resurrected it. And in Atlanta, at the uh, Lenox Square Macy's, over in their parking lot area, uh, the top of the parking garage, they have the pink pig.
4: Now, is it year-round or is it a
3: holiday It's holiday. It's Christmas-oriented. So around Christmas, you can go to Linux Square and you can ride yourself the pink pig.
4: Man, because nothing is synonymous in my mind like a pig and Christmas. All right. So, also to help with this reinvigoration with getting back on their feet, Macy's starts a loyalty program in 2005. The more you shop at Macy's, the more benefits you get.
3: Mm -hmm. And uh, that would also be the year that Federated would acquire the May department stores. So, now those three big entities that had been competing with one another all belonged to the Mm -hmm. same Mecca Godzilla department store.
4: And in 2006, started the transformation of the May stores to Macy's. Which is
3: easy. You just put a C in there and an apostrophe
4: S. Yes, you just got to scoot it over. But this made Macy's from coast to coast. So it filled in any of the gaps they had in the states Mm -hmm. where stores were missing.
3: In 2008, they celebrated being a century and a half old, 150 Mm -hmm. years old. Yes.
4: And by this time, Federated is no longer federated. Now federated is Macy's Inc.
3: Right. So Macy's Incorporated is now the holding company. Yes. So Macy's, the department store, and Macy's Inc. are technically two different things. Yes. You have Macy's Inc. That's the holding company that owns the Macy's department stores, which makes things a little confusing. It's
4: interesting to me that the company that acquired Macy's said, nah, we want to be Macy's too. Yeah. By 2010, Macy's Inc. is Solid. They're doing real good, so much so that they announced a $400 million renovation to the Herald Square Macy's that they would start in 2012— And also, they decide, we're going to focus some more of our marketing towards
3: millennials. Yeah, so I guess you walk into a Macy's and they say, welcome to Macy's, here's your avocado toast. Yes. Mm, I'm sure that is exactly what it is. So what's going on these days, Ariel?
4: Well, like I said, Macy's is really trying to focus on what customers' needs are, what their desires are. They're trying to focus their marketing and change with the trends. Mm -hmm. So... Online shopping is becoming more of a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it has been more of a thing.
3: For more than a decade now, but yeah.
4: And it hurts retailers. Sure. So Macy's is really trying to stay on top of that and find interesting ways to bring people into the stores or to their online site in an effort to stay relevant. Uh, Same-day delivery in selected areas. I think they've got eight markets. Online purchase, in-store pickup, and mobile paying systems with Apple.
3: Yeah. For me, what I need is I need... I need sort of a personal shopper type person who walks with me in Macy's, which I've seen before, and says, this would look good on you. Stop looking at that thing. That will make you look bad. I mean,
4: the time that I was at Herald Square Macy's, I did have a personal shopper. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that yeah. they,
3: they, that's the sort of thing that Macy's has done to help bring people in. And that's the sort of stuff that benefits me. Yes. Because yes. I'm hopeless
4: You are not. You might think you are. You do better than you think. Uh, In 2015, they did have another bad year. They didn't meet their estimated goals. But again, because they were so focused on consumer market trends and customer interests, they were able to turn it around. I mean, retail is has been iffy in the past few years in general.
3: Right. We've seen an actual decrease in the number of people going to physical retail stores over the last couple of years, even on traditionally busy days like Black Friday. We've seen a decrease in the number of people yes. going to those stores.
4: But by the end of 2017— Macy's had made a fiscal sale amount of $24.837 billion.
3: Billion dollars. Which
4: exceeded what they were estimating they would make.
3: That's fantastic. Yeah. So— Uh, The company is still going strong. We still have the traditional Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It happened Mm -hmm. again this year. Did you watch it this past year? I did. My sister did as well. I missed it. The
4: Pillsbury Doughboy had a very scary mouth because it was so cold out. His mouth just kind of shriveled up.
3: Oh, no. It was like, like, once the screen. Um, Well, that wraps up our talk about Macy's and The Brink and mm-hmm. how those late 80s, I mean, it was rough for all department stores for multiple reasons. Uh, a large one being that that greed is good kind of mentality that various uh, 1980s businesses were, were yes. pursuing. And I'm sure, I, in fact, I am absolutely positive that we will be doing other episodes of The Brink where that kind of plays mm-hmm. in too, because that's why we had films like Wall Street, right? It had this this mentality that bred this kind of, uh, of of mythology around it. And not all of it turned out great.
4: <laughs> yes. Uh, funny, funny little tidbit. Yeah. Last night when I turned on my TV, two channels next to each other. First, Miracle on 34th Street. Second, Wolf of Wall Street.
3: Oh, I guess we get the long and short of it yes. right there. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode. Until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Kasten. If you would like to learn more about what we've talked about, as well as keep track of all of our episodes, make sure you visit our website at thebrinkpodcast.show. Or
4: you can email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show.